Well, like I mentioned, we're in our Love Invasion series. We've been chewing on this concept for four previous weeks. You can get all that information online on our website, um, get the previous uh, messages. But this week, what we want to talk about is the victory defined. If love is invading, then what does victory look like? What is all of a sudden, does this really going to, how is this going to flesh out? And we've been looking at this concept right here over and over and over again. That the beauty of God's love, and you will not really, really jump on in this whole concept of love invasion and letting God use you to love others until you embrace this. Because what we'll do is we'll wait till we get a little love to give a little love. But that's not the way God did it. See, the beauty of God's love is that he's chosen to pour out his love and forgiveness and acceptance on those who were his enemies. His love invaded enemy territory. That he did not wait until we said, hey, God, up there in the heavenly somewhere, um, we're going to try to care about you a little bit. And then he said, oh, wow, here comes some love from these people. I'm now going to pour out some love on them. No, it was while we didn't care, while we were indifferent, while we said, hey, you, out there in the distance, I hope you're far away and please stay there. We don't want anything to do with you. I want to do, I want to make my own choices. Leave me alone while we were that. While we shook our fists in the face of God, while we just didn't care if he was there or not. All of that spectrum where we just pushed him out. He, he pressed through all that and he invaded anyway. He came into our lives and into our story anyway. It's incredible. Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That while we were still just not, not caring and, and adding to the debt, Adding to it. You think about that? While we were still sinners, while we're still piling on, Jesus died for our sins. And while we're still creating it. That's like saying, you know, while, while they're still out there with the credit card on the spending spree, I'm paying their debt off. No, normally you would say, give me the card. Let's bring all this in order. Stop it. I'm locking you in your closet. No internet access. No Amazon.com. No eBay. And now we bring this to a halt. Now I'm going to be awesome and generous and pay the debt off. No. While we were still full on adding to it. That's why Jesus Christ's death and his sin had to go forward. It had to reach future. Because while we were still laying it on. So he pays it. And that's why his sacrifice was so big that it covered all of it. It covers all of it. It's absolutely huge. 2 Corinthians 5. We've looked at this over and over again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And we need to understand we've been we've been brought into it. We're not just a a recipient of this incredible amount of love that's been poured out on humanity, he now has brought us in and made us ministers of it. It's like he goes, guess what? I now want to put a little checkbook in everybody's hands, and now you go off paying debts too. 
You go off. How much fun would that be? Your debt's been paid off, and now what I want you to do is pay it forward, and I want you to go out, and I want you to just start paying people credit cards and paying their cars off and their houses off. In the spiritual realm, that's what God did. He said, I want you to bring this knowledge. I want you to bring this to people. I want you to be on my team on this front. That's what this ministry of reconciliation is about. It is absolutely, absolutely beautiful. But what we have to understand as we're defining this and defining the definition is we need to understand that love is the ultimate means to the ultimate end. It's the means and the end. We're going to arrive to love and we use love to get there. And we understand this and we're going to be looking all over 1 Corinthians 13 today, the love chapter. But 1 Corinthians 13 verse 8 says, Love never fails you know what there's a lot of things that we can deploy and in the church world there's a lot of stuff about church strategy and and you know people getting around and having conferences on all sorts of different things on how to do worship better or how to preach better i'm, I'm gonna be a part of a deal this week on so that i can le- finally learn how to preach on wednesday so come back next week see if i'm any better and um and so, but we have all these things that are, that are strategic and, and, and help us move forward. But the thing is, is as the body of Christ, yes, if we can do service planning a little better, and yes, if we can do strategic things a little better, then that works to a certain degree. But we have to understand that what works every time is love. Love never fails. That's why in our, in our time of prayer, we pray that when you walk in the doors that you feel the love of God. I hope you did. I hope as you were getting your donut and your coffee and being greeted on the way in, that you ran into smiling faces, that people showed that they cared and they'd never met you before in your life. I hope that that's what was, you ran into and were impacted. We want the love of God to do that. You know, we come in here and I associate this room with church because i'm in here all the time doing church but every once in a while i come to a movie and the movie happens to be in here and it's always weird for me to come in and watch a movie in my church (laughs) so i know it's for some of you you come for the first time and it's weird to come to see church where you watch a movie all the time and but i'm on the other end of it and cutie and i snuck away and we came and watched an incredible movie called 42 about jackie robinson and the whole story you talk about a love invasion You talk about somebody who's just said, you know what, the only thing that's going to change the dynamic of this is this incredible, resilient acts of love, of just being willing to turn the other cheek and do these different incredible things in in, in incredible adversity. And it was strategic and it was planned. I got a little clip. If you've seen the movie, you'll recognize it. If you haven't, maybe it'll bait you to see it. It's a great movie. 42. People aren't going to like this. They're going to do anything to get you to react. Echo a curse with a curse, and they'll they'll hear only yours. Follow a blow with a blow, and they'll say, the Negro lost his temper. Your enemy will be out in force, and you cannot meet him on his own low ground. We win with hitting, running, fielding, only that. We win if the world is convinced of two things, that you are a fine gentleman and a great baseball player. We win 
if they're convinced of two things, that you're a fine gentleman and a great baseball player. That fine gentleman piece, that was the love piece. Had reporters ask, ask Jackie as he was going, said, what are you going to do if somebody throws at your head? Well, this guy was an athlete. He was a competitor. He wasn't a, a guy by nature that would back down from a fight. And his instinct would be somebody throws at his head to rush the mound and make them want to never do that again. Go handle it. Go deal with business. And he was equipped. He could do it. But he said his answer would be, I'll duck. Just get out of the way. He was attacked. His wife was attacked. The verbal assaults were absolutely unbelievable. And just watching this movie, it makes me cringe. And it's PG-13, not because of foul language or anything else, but, but just because of the, the hate. Just the raw, horrible hate that is poured out. And it's just hard to watch that kind of hatred being poured out. And Jackie Robinson was probably may have been the only man who could have handled it at that time and turned the other cheek and was able to walk above it. And guess what? Love won. That is what we're called to do, folks. That is what we're called to do. We're to carry love into places where we're hated. We're to carry love into environments where we're attacked. We're to carry love into these places where, where our natural man would want to do anything but to respond in a loving way. But folks, that's the only thing that's really going to create a love invasion. The whole idea of invasion is love going where it wasn't already. That's the whole concept. That's the whole concept. We have love invasion in our families. Somebody says, I live in a loveless family. Well, somebody's got to make the decision that they're bringing love with them. And that they don't care who responds how. That they're going to bring love there. That's what God did. God did that for us. See John 13. There's a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. And so you must love one another. By, <clears throat> by this. All men will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. Jesus released his disciples to operate in the miraculous like he did. And there were healings throughout the New Testament and, and absolute incredible stuff. There are the gifts of the Spirit and the prophetic and all of these different things. But you know what becomes the defining point? Not this supernatural thing of doing these miraculous things that Jesus did. You know what was the most miraculous thing that Jesus did? Was to love when he was hated so intently was to willingly lay down his life the way he did. He could have called the 10,000 legions of angels and dealt with it, but he didn't. On purpose, he loved in the middle of hate. And that, folks, that's what makes the difference. We win. Our win, they, they defined a win. Jackie Robinson, before he was even signed, Branch Rickey said, this is what the win is going to look like. Can you do this? Are you willing to make this your win? Folks, our win is when people see our love and know that we're his disciples. That's our win. It's not how many scriptures we know. Are those important? Yes. I encourage y'all to read the Bible every day. But our win, our win is when the love shows up. So to be part of this love invasion, we've got to understand what love looks like. And 1 Corinthians 13 breaks it down into four chunks. And we're, we're going to look at these real quick. At first, it shows us what love is. 
and then what love isn't. And then it shows us what love doesn't do, and then what love does. What it is and isn't, what it doesn't do, and what it does. So straight off the bat, let's look at what love is. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. These are easy to remember. Love is only two things, according to this. We look in Galatians 5 with the, with the fruit of the Spirit. And there's, a, there's some other things that manifest. But we, let's look at love. Right here. Love, according to 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter is two things. Love is patient and love is kind. <laughs> My goodness, how much are we challenged on those two things? Those two, we can stop right there. I could say, go be patient and go be kind. And we can just, we do that and we'll have revival in the city. If everybody in this room will be crazy patient and crazy kind, it'll change the dynamic of the community. It really will. Because it, I'm telling you, it's, it sounds so easy. Be patient, be kind. But I'm telling you, that patience, it pushes up against everything. It pushes up against our wants. It pushes up against our personal agenda. It pushes up against our timeline. It pushes up against everything to have to simply be patient. See, Romans 2, verse 4. See, God operates the same way. His love invades the same way. He's not asking anything of us that he doesn't do. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience? Not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance. That is God's kindness. That's why I don't beat you up and tell you all how, how terrible you are and all this kind of stuff. Guess what? We've all got our issues and we've got stuff that need to be dealt with. And if we will connect with the goodness of God and embrace that, guess what? I'm convinced, convinced that he will work all that other stuff out. But I think, I don't think we need to be convinced that we're messing up. I think we're pretty conscious of it. I think what we need to be convinced of is that God loves us anyways. I think that's the thing we bow up against. I think that we have a problem. Going, you know what? God still loves me and he still wants to work with me right where I'm at. They, they, that we, and it's his patience and his kindness. And that's where we think we try him the most. Is that at some point, God, I've been doing the same dumb things for 10 years, 12 years. God, you're bound to be done with it. I'm through. I'm mad at me. I'm done with me. I'm ready to quit. You're bound to be through with me, God. Nope. His patience and his kindness do it. God, that's what, that's what wears us down is when he's still loving us. We come up, we de decide to revisit this thing. We come back 10 years from now, he's still loving us. I'm not encouraging you to, to, to delay 10 years, but if for some reason you decided to beat your head on the wall 10 more years, you turn around, he's still going to be loving you. Please don't beat your head on the wall 10 more years, but he, he'll still be loving you. It's that's what wins. That's what wins. And so many times we get frustrated and we, we don't, we will gauge each other, each other by ourselves and we're going to end up making unwise decisions. That's why we have to be incredibly patient with each other. Like, man, I've been dealing with this person and they're just not moving along very quick. Well, different people move at different paces. They just do. And man, I used to get frustrated with this as a kid because I've shared with y'all before, I'm not athletic, I'm not fast. One of the things that, that determines athleticism is just quickness, just, just speed. And I'm not fast. 
And he used to get frustrated with my dad. And he would take me out and we would do stuff. And he's like, all right, Brandon, I want you to just run from here to there as fast as you can. So I'd do it. He's like, no, Brandon, I want you to run. I was like, Daddy, that was it. I was running. I'm about to throw up. And it's just run. I get on the tennis team in seventh grade. And I go out and we're having to run lines. And I'm the last one to finish my lines. My coach is saying, Brandon Clark, run. Coach, I'm running. This is it. This is my run. If you were to get in this body, you'd go, wow, this is a slow body. This doesn't go very quick. My sister Ginger's favorite quote. And she came up in tennis right behind me with the same coach. And she was in a different class period. And she'd tell me all the time that coaches say, Ginger Clark, you're as slow as your brother. (laughs) I'm just slow. And some people are quick. And some people respond quick. And some people don't. And so guess what? Guess what? We are going to be patient with each other. Because what we don't need, what we don't need is to create spiritual frustration. Okay? With us us on the outside going, what? I I thought you were going to be a disciple. I thought you were going to really run with this. Come on, get moving, buddy. I'm growing as fast as I can. This is it. This is my spiritual sprint. You know what? It's okay. Go full out at your full out. Just move forward. God's patient, and we're going to be patient too. That's what makes the difference, patience and kindness. Love also, we need to understand what it isn't. 1 Corinthians 13, love isn't proud. It isn't rude. It's not self-seeking. And it's not easily angered. I don't say it never becomes angry. The word tells us to be angry and sin not. There's some places for righteous anger. But there's not this place of righteous pride or righteous rudeness or righteous self-seekingness. It's never that way. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. And we need to understand this, that true acts of love. Anybody that's having to deal with other people, your employers, your spouses, all this, let's understand this right now. Let's go ahead and get this a baseline and some of your frustrations will just you'll you'll go out of here a lighter person today. Okay? If you understand this, that true acts of love expect no recognition. Where we get frustrated in loving is if I sit there and I send my wife some flowers and I see that they got delivered at ten oh two and I'm checking my phone for my text and nothing comes through. At 11, nothing comes through. 12, nothing comes through. I call the flower. They're like, yeah, we delivered it. Blonde girl, yeah. Kenwood, yeah. We delivered it. <laughs> Go home. See them there on the table. Nothing. So this has never happened. So this is all hypothetical. Seriously, it hasn't. But <laughs> you, you asked for that. I did. <laughs> I've brought you flowers. I've not sent them. Somebody's getting some flowers this week. <laughs> but sit there and expecting this recognition, expecting this attaboy, expecting this, woo, husband of the year award. And we do this expecting this response. 
Where you sit there and you can have an act of love towards an employer. And he's like, you know what, I really need this done. And you pour 110% in it and you do the report and you lay it on his, on his table a day in advance and it's done perfectly. And he's like, you know, just has it, takes it and runs with it. Never says anything. I'm not going to love them anymore. They don't appreciate me. How many spousal relationships divided because of lack of appreciation? Now, appreciation is a big deal. We should pour it into each other. But what we have to understand is our true acts of love expect no recognition. We don't do it for that. There's no ulterior motives. That's why love isn't proud. It's not rude and it's not self-seeking. All of those things, that self-recognition, it weasels its way in there. Love is beautiful because in Romans, it's love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt its neighbor. It doesn't do any of th- those kinds of things. John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this. Then he were to lay down his life for his friends. That's why for us to live on Jesus' level is not humanly possible. That's why we have to have the Spirit of God alive on the inside of us to lay down our lives for our enemies. Because the highest level anybody can do is to lay down their lives for somebody they care about. Ephesians 4 reminds us that in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and don't give the devil a foothold. If you don't want the devil to have room in your relationships and in your house, forgive quick. If you want to play around with giving the enemy a foothold in your house, hold grudges. That's what the scripture says. Somebody's going to have some fun with that one. Um, Love doesn't. 1 Corinthians 13, love does not envy. It does not boast. And it keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil. James 3.16 says, for where, envy and selfish ambi- for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you have disorder and every evil practice. Folks, I'm telling you, that's why even things that sh- should be as pure and beautiful as church life get hijacked. Because envy and self-seeking find their weasel their way in there. And I don't care how pure it's supposed to be, those things find their way into anything, anything. And all of, a st- all of a sudden, things get things get messed up. They just do. So we have to keep that out. Love doesn't do that. And 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, Love is <clears throat> that God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation, not keeping a record of wrong. Isn't that so great? God's not having this tally sheet. He's not doing that. That's not the case. My wife honestly really had to call me on the carpet on this, but not because I had to, not because I was necessarily a person that kept a record of wrong, but it was because I, I would be very forgetful of my own shortcomings and uh, very self-forgiving. And, um, and so she would tell me, hey, Bran, um, you did this and you, you do this multiple times and, and we'd like to address this as a couple. And I was like, okay, sweetheart, tell me, you know, give me three or four instances that I've done that. Because I don't remember doing this. And so, because I really didn't. So I want to see a pattern. I want to see how I get caught up into this. And she's like, seriously, you want me to keep a record? I can do it. I can keep a journal. Brandon, mess ups. Give me a fat one. 
And I fill it in. I was like, "Woo, okay, you're right, baby. Never mind. That vocabulary went out the window. Uh, she would just tell me, you, you need to not do this. And I'm like, all right, baby, I'll address it. And uh, I don't want to know my five times that I did it. Don't tell me. Because love doesn't keep a record of wrong, and I am not encouraging my wife to do so. Um, but it doesn't. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. And as we're closing down, we're going to look at what love does. Because love does some things. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 6 talks about that love rejoices with the truth love always protects it always trusts it always hopes and it always perseveres these are some of the things man i tell you this is what makes relationships stick this is what makes things work this is what ultimately makes things win all of those things of what love does sets up verse eight that love never fails it just stays. That's why God wins. That's why his love prevails. It's because God operates on this level. See, 1 Corinthians 8.1, that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And 1 Peter 4.8, above all, above all, above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers a multitude of sin. It does. Folks, you and I, if we're going to go in and we're going to have a love invasion, then we have to understand that we're bringing love where it's not. Then that means there probably won't initially be some appreciation when we invade with love. People look at us funny. What's up? Why are you doing this? What's your ulterior motive? What's going on here? When love invades, people don't understand it. Love invades may bring some response and some attack. We're going into enemy territory. Love wasn't already there. We're bringing it with us. That's why love has to persevere. That's why love has to push through. That's why love has to do all these things. And love has to cover a multitude of sin. Because when it's in, guess what's already waiting? A mess. A bunch of bad decisions. A bunch of bad patterns. And that's why love has to invade and begin to work and to see that change. And God didn't step away from that. God didn't stay away. He sent his son to invade our lives with his love. That's what makes the difference, folks. It just does. It just does. It just does. And this morning, that's what we want to do here and now. We want to embrace this, that God, that God has brought his love to us. And if you're here this morning, I hope it rings loud and clear that God is not keeping a record of wrong. That he has stepped into your whirlwind of life and he's ready to forgive and help you to move forward and he'll do it at the pace you'll move. That's the good news of this. So let's just create a quiet moment. If that you're here and you want to say yes to that, you want to embrace that, then I want you to just lift your hand and we want to pray with you. Yes, yes, yes.